the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Check out monorail.com, America's affordable investment app made for conservatives who want to keep their hard-earned money with companies that share their value. Download the Monorail app today. Join Monorail. Well, hello, y'all. I'm Dennis Prager. Thank you for being with me on this Wednesday. Friendly skies? Question mark. Interview with an unvaccinated pilot suing United Airlines. Roger Simon is the author of the piece. It is about Tom Floyd, a United Airlines pilot. And here is the report. He is among 30 unvaccinated pilots, flight attendants, ramp service workers, and other personnel who, as of January 19th, are suing United Airlines because, in the words of their complaint, they have, quote, been fired placed on unpaid leave or otherwise had their careers at United limited or terminated without just compensation. In this regard, I don't believe United has been worse than others, but when it comes to destructive policies and wokeness and cowardice, United Airlines is near or at the top They also vowed last year or the year before, I believe it was last year, that they would reserve half their places in their flight training school, their pilot training school for uh, women and non-whites. So you you should just know, should you decide to fly, fly United, that they are terminating qualified pilots and they will be hiring, presumably, some, not all, some unqualified pilots. The moment you choose people on the basis of anything other than their qualifications, you have compromised on qualifications. However, for the left, it is more important to have black pilots and Hispanic pilots and female pilots than it is to have the best pilots. By the way, for the record, a black pilot or a female pilot may well be the best pilot. But if you choose on the basis of sex and color, you cannot possibly have the best. Because you have decided that the best is not the criterion by which you will choose people. The problem is that unlike... Many years ago, there were so many choices about what airline, with regard to what airline you would fly, you really had a choice. I fly, as you know, on average every week of the year. So I have a lot of miles on the major airlines. I'm near the top. I never fly based on getting miles. I fly on the basis of getting home or to my destination fastest. 
but I always get a kick out of the claim by the pilot or the flight attendant. We thank you for choosing United. We know you have a choice in airlines. Oh, really? On how many routes do I really have a choice? If you want to fly where I was last week, Miami. If you want to fly from L.A. to Miami, I think you can choose if you want to go nonstop. I think you have a choice of American or American. And for that matter, you can also choose American. I'm going to look that up, actually. I, I know you can take JetBlue to Fort Lauderdale, but I, but I specifically said Miami. Anyway, I... Uh, what is it that old from that... Oh, God, a movie from the 70s, I believe. Being in love means never having to say you're sorry. The... Uh, that has spread to not being in love. Being on the left means never having to say you're sorry. And for that matter, uh, being in big business never means having to say you're sorry. Unless you have offended the woke, then you have to be sorry and grovel. Again, I remind you, I am unaware of Southwest having fired a single person despite canceling tens of thousands of flights. It is an amazing thing for an airline to screw so many people's lives and not fire one person or have one member of the board quit. Maybe they did. I apologize if they did. But if they did, they should, in fact, publicize it. It is better to live in a society that has accountability than one that does not. When I think of these young, healthy people, relatively young, certainly before retirement age, forced to take a vaccine, these pilots, these flight attendants, forced, you're fired, you have no job, you have no income, go wait on tables. Oh, you can't wait on tables either, because you probably had to be, (laughs) now that I think of it, you probably had to be vaxxed to do that. So much wrong has taken place in the last few years. And most Americans, I don't know about most, it's an interesting question that I cannot answer. How many Americans now regard the the lockdowns as having been vindicated? Here's a piece. Let's see. Yeah, Daily Mail. Today. The U.S. has suffered nearly 300,000 more deaths than usual in more than two years of the pandemic that cannot be attributed to COVID, with researchers blaming lockdowns and delays to health care. Yes, you realize that had you listened to me, a non-doctor, the chances are you would have done much better, society would have done much better, than listening to almost all of the medical community. You know how sad I am telling you that? It is not only not a boast, it is an embarrassment for the society in which we live. I disobeyed the lockdowns 
to the very best of my ability to do so. I spoke at a rally and hugged people in front of City Hall in the spring of 2020. I gathered with a dozen friends every single Friday night except for the first two, every single one, for my Shabbat dinners. Didn't miss one except for the first two. I lived as if there were no COVID, and I'm healthier for it. That the medical community nixed therapeutics and went instead to ventilators, an almost guaranteed death death sentence in so many places. Do you still trust your doctor? Some should be, clearly. But I am curious about that too. If you know that the lockdowns were damaging, that they did incredible harm, especially to young kids, that masking two-year-olds was a form of child abuse, if you know all that, do you still trust your doctor? Or have you, understandably, entered a stage of cognitive dissonance in which you have decided, I cannot see my doctor and know how wrong he or she was for two and a half years, how harmful his or her decisions were. I can't do that. Too nice a person, and where am I going to find another one, and it's too painful to leave, and what am I going to say when I stop showing up? I understand. It's human. But I still wonder, half this country knows the lockdowns were vile, were utterly and totally damaging. Oh, by the way, the hospitals still uh, cling to this idiocy. I won't say, of course, the person's name or even the sex slash gender or preferred pronouns of one of my doctors. But when we show up at a major hospital, when I show up, my wife and I, for my checkup, Uh, with this doctor, this doctor says, he, she says, what a relief it is to be able to take off his or her mask. This doctor knows what drivel it is. It's all for show. It's all play. Because cowardice is universal. It's It's a big deal. And that's all that it is in the medical profession, a a bad combination of arrogance and cowardice. That's right. 300,000 non-COVID excess deaths since 2020 in the United States of America, thanks to the medical community and the sheep who listen to them. If you know me, you know I love wisdom. It's often been said to become rich, you should invest like the rich, but that's easier said than done. Investments like luxury real estate, private equity, and hedge fund products are closed off to 93% of Americans. But there is a new way for everyday folks to invest. A new online platform lets everyday Americans invest in a massive multi-trillion dollar asset class that's been limited to the 0.1%. I'm talking about high-end art. 
You don't need millions of dollars, you just need Masterworks. They've scrutinized over $600 million worth of art. In fact, one member has made over $65,000 from his investments in Masterworks offerings. I decided to partner with Masterworks.com to get VIP passes to skip to the front to secure your spot. Head to Masterworks.art slash Dennis. That's masterworks.art slash Dennis. See important disclosures at masterworks.com slash CD. Back to this piece. We should put it up. You should have it. If you are looking for a doctor, by the way, I know it's difficult to do, but in a very sweet, and I mean that sincerely, in a sweet, non-aggressive way, you might want to say to your doctor if you're interviewing, and you should interview a doctor, the person you entrust with your health or your family's health, it's a big choice, big deal. So you might want to ask, in retrospect, doctor, do you think that the lockdowns were a good idea? And then your doctor will say, well, some people it was really important. No, no, but it wasn't some people locked down. It was a whole society. Businesses, restaurants, and of course schools and churches and synagogues. Doctor, do you think that the lockdowns of schools was a good idea? The doctor will say, well, there." I don't know what your doctor will say. But your doctor should say, actually, it turns out it was utterly damaging. The amount of, of damage to children that it did and to families is incalculable. That's your doctor. If your doctor says, well, uh, look, it, it, I know that harm was done, but we had to protect kids and teachers, then you, what you do is you decide in, in your mind, this is not my doctor. I have a fool for a doctor as a potential doctor for me. And you don't walk out. You just continue making discussion and then thank thank them for their time. And you know, if you want to say at some point, your answer on lockdowns was so unscientific, so callous, and so ignorant, you could not possibly be my family doctor, you're entitled to do so. If enough Americans said that, it would cause an earthquake that would be needed in the medical profession, which now announces that it is, uh, you, you're not born with a sex. As the American Medical Association says, sex should not be listed on birth certificates. Okay, back to this. So again, this is really important. The U.S. has suffered nearly 300,000 more deaths than usual, in more than two years of the pandemic that cannot be attributed to COVID, with researchers blaming lockdowns and delays to healthcare. This is the Daily Mail. This is not a right-wing source. The Daily Mail is, is basically apolitical. I know it because they published some articles uh, which lied about me. Latest official data shows there were 1.26 million excess deaths between February 2020 and the end of 2022, of which around 295,000 did not have COVID as their main cause of death. The United States has suffered a larger increase in deaths than many other nations, including Sweden, which famously opted against COVID lockdown measures. 
As you recall, I saluted Sweden the entire time. The country has suffered a 14, that's the U.S., a 14% increase in deaths over the past three years when compared to the average number of expected deaths calculated from previous years. For comparison, Sweden recorded a 5% increase while the United Kingdom had a 10% jump. Data from nearly every country that instituted lockdowns in spring 2020 shows a stark increase in deaths from other causes such as heart disease, cancer, and other common ailments. Leading experts in the UK have suggested that up to 3,000 Britons are dying each week because of the disruptions to everyday life caused by the country's strict lockdowns. The nation's logged The nation logged 2,837 excess deaths during the week ending on January 13th with only 5%, almost none, being attributable to COVID. Some experts believe the recent increase in other causes of death around Britain would have been avoided, wow, would have been avoided without the strict lockdown. In 2022, CDC researchers found that heart disease deaths increased by 4% in 2020, representing about five years of lost progress in the fight against America's leading killer. Deaths from drug overdoses increased too, with the nation recording a record 108,000 overdose fatalities in 2021. That is a 15% increase from the previous all-time high count in 2020. Dr. Stephen Hanke, an economist at the Baltimore, Maryland School, that is Johns Hopkins, I believe that it is Johns Hopkins, found the strict COVID protocols in early 2020 saved 10,000 lives across the U.S. and Europe. He led research into the true impact of lockdowns alongside researchers from Sweden and Denmark, finding the devastating policies only reduced COVID mortality by one-tenth of one percent. Dr. Henke told Daily Mail, the lockdown study found that lockdowns in the spring of 2020 had a negligible effect on COVID mortality. According to a 2022 analysis led by Johns Hopkins University researchers, shuttering businesses also did little to prevent deaths, but it did a lot to render people bankrupt. I'm adding that. Finally, our meta-analysis includes studies that employ two different methods. Depending on the method employed, lockdowns resulted in between 6,000 and 23,000 deaths avoided in Europe, while there are approximately 72,000 flu deaths in Europe each year. So even if it saved anybody, it saved far less than would be expected or even helpful. And there are people still wearing masks. Hospitals still demand masks. It's a dark time, but you've got to light a candle. Every day when I pass a mirror, I still can't believe it. It's me. I'm looking back at myself. I never thought I'd be this fit again. But 42 pounds ago, I decided to take control of my health. And with the help of my PhD weight loss and nutrition, 
I'm so glad I did. The program is simple. Dr. Ashley Lucas and her amazing team customize a plan for your body to make it simple. They even provide 80% of your food at no additional cost. They treat your entire person as one. Dr. Ashley believes that all change starts with the mind. She'll help you to change your behavior when it comes to food and think differently about food so you'll never gain the weight back. Give them a call right now at 864-644-1900 and they can answer all your questions. If I can do it, you can do it. The number of people in Latin America and the Caribbean who wish to migrate. I, this, is a, this is quite something. This is from Gallup. The number of people in Latin America and the Caribbean who wish to migrate, in other words, leave their countries, presumably permanently, has jumped this past decade to 242 million, many eyeing the United States, heightening fears about the border crisis. In 2011, so that's 12 years ago, only 18% of people in Latin America and the Caribbean wanted to permanently leave their homes. By 2021, that had risen to 37% of the region's 655 million people. Gallup polling shows. The desire to migrate rose faster in South America than anywhere else in the world. By the end of 2021, the share of Latinos wishing to migrate was on par with those in poverty-wracked sub-Saharan Africa. Now, where do you think they want to move? Well, it actually said so here, didn't it? Whew, many eyeing the United States. In some South American nations, Honduras, Ecuador, and the Dominican Republic, as much as half of the total population expressed a desire to move and live abroad permanently. Well, now how many of them have conservative governments and how many have left-wing governments? The border city of Yuma, Arizona is at breaking point with an unprecedented flow of migrants leaving the community at the brink of collapse and hospitals and food banks overloaded, local officials say. Even including James Buchanan and Andrew Johnson, nobody has deliberately harmed the United States like Joe Biden and his despicable party. Some five million migrants have crossed over the United States' southern border since January 2021 when the Biden administration took over the White House. I'm silent because I'm engaging in self-censorship because my anger is so great and I don't want to say things that I would regret either linguistically or content-wise. So 247 million, is that the number that it gave you? 242 million want to leave Latin America and the Caribbean 
And where do you think they want to move? Mexico, Argentina, presumably Canada and the United States, and first choice is usually the United States. You can have a nice warm climate in much of the United States. How exactly are, are our hospitals and our and our schools going to handle this? The fact that it doesn't matter to the Democratic Party, and yet you vote Democrat. Why? Because you can't stand Trump? I know people like that. I can't tell you how painful it is because some of them have played a, a beautiful role in my life. You will screw this country by voting Democrat because you hate Donald Trump? What is wrong with you? Most of the time, and I've said this previously, most of the time when I differ with a position, like I, I think I get why people are against capital punishment. It's, it's too painful to them to think of themselves as advocates of putting anybody to death deliberately. Or whatever. I, I, anyway, I think I, I, I understand the emotional attachment to allowing every murderer to live. But I don't understand. I hate Trump, therefore I will vote for Biden. That's that's a bridge too far into irrationality. Yes, 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 go on, go on. All right, hi everybody. It's Dennis Prager in the male female hour, the second hour every Wednesday. I think it's the most honest talk about men and women in the American media. There are a few reasons. A, I'm not inhibited about any subject, including sex. B, I'm not a man fan or a woman fan. That's a big part of it. I have no agenda other than the promotion of good relations and and to have the two sexes understand each other. Oh, yes, by the way, we do begin with the notion that there are only two sexes. So for those of you who believe that there are more than two sexes, in other words, those of you who went to college, I I need you to understand that the very term male-female hour is disturbing. This could not be broadcast, for example, at Disneyland or Disney World, which does not any longer refer to its visitors as boys and girls. They believe that there is basically an infinite number of genders. This is what goes for normative in America today. So the male-female hour in and of itself is clearly behind the times, the very term male-female hour. So anyway... For those of you who do believe there are only two sexes, this is your hour. My subject today is to get your input on the following question. If you lived together with the person you eventually married, 
What was the biggest difference between being married and living together and not being married and living together? You can start calling in now. By the way, maybe there wasn't a difference. Maybe it is, indeed, as many in Europe and the United States now say, just a piece of paper. I don't believe that it's just a piece of paper. and my, my proof is, if it were just a piece of paper, it wouldn't matter to people to get married. They obviously think it's a hell of a lot more than just a piece of paper. 1-8-Prager-776-877-243-777-6. When I make the case for people who are living together to get married, I make a number of arguments. In no order of importance, one of them is, do you really want to go through the rest of your life, if you're a man, calling the woman you are with my girlfriend? Really? You don't think there's a difference between saying my girlfriend or my wife, and if you're a woman, you don't think there's a difference between saying my boyfriend or my husband? Of course you think there's a difference. There is all the difference in the world. Uh, I might add, one big difference is that it represents growing up. Kids have girlfriends and boyfriends. Adults have wives and husbands. I know this might be offensive to some of you. It is not meant to be offensive, but you know it's true. You're, you can't with a straight face tell me there's no difference between saying, Oh, Dennis, I'd like you to meet uh, Eva, my significant other, my girlfriend, versus this is Dennis, this is Eva, my wife. Come on, there's a huge difference. But that's not pri that's not primarily what I'm asking. I'm asking, what difference did you find in being in living with your a spouse versus living with a boyfriend or girlfriend? The subject is not about morality. It is not about religion. It is not even about sex. It is just about what I just said. Now, by the way, if you got married and you found no difference, that you're living with your husband or wife, had no emotional, psychological, existential difference from living with a boyfriend or girlfriend, I'd like to hear from you too. It's hard for me to believe, but I will believe you. 1-8 Prager 776. What is the biggest, what was the biggest difference when you got married to the person you live with, lived with, or live with, as opposed to just living with the person? I think we live in the age of enforced naivete. It is inconceivable to me that there is no difference. One, another difference, aside from this is my girlfriend versus this is my wife or this is my boyfriend, this is my husband, 
is that you have announced to the world that you are committed. When you say, this is my girlfriend, you are announcing to the world that you're not committed. Now, you may feel committed. I, I'm well aware of that. But announcements to the world are significant. It's one of the reasons that I have had on occasion a male-female hour devoted to the idea of do you wear a wedding band. It's an announcement to the world. Announcements to the world matter. And when you say this is my wife, or you say we're married, it is a statement to the world. Sometimes in my broadcast career, I have felt, and I've even articulated it aloud, I have felt, you know, I'm paid pretty well to say the obvious. However, we live in the age of the denial of the obvious. Isn't it obvious that you're either born a boy or a girl? And yet we live in denial of it. We live in the age of the denial of the obvious. I have said this since I began broadcasting. I began broadcasting, let's see, when I, 1982. And that was still the Cold War. And when I would mention that the Cold War was between freedom and tyranny, I would think, aren't I saying the obvious? But the truth is, I wasn't saying the obvious, because if you went to college or graduate school as I did, when I was at the School of International Affairs at Columbia University, they didn't teach that the Cold War was about tyranny and freedom, but rather two competing economic systems or two colonial powers, American hegemony versus Soviet hegemony. And I thought, hmm, I'm getting paid to say the obvious, that the Cold War is about freedom versus tyranny. So too I feel here. Okay, let's see what you have to say. Mitch in Erie, Pennsylvania, the famous Mitch of Erie. Hello. Hello, how you doing? Okay. Hi, how you doing? Good, good. Well, the difference between living together and marriage is when I got married, I felt the responsibility and the commitment of, of marriage over uh, just living together. Yeah. Now, how long had you lived together prior to getting married? Uh, five years, and uh, we've been together over 40 years now. So who was it that postponed the marriage, you or your or your significant other female no there was no postponement we just you know well, we lived together and was we felt you know get married and that was it okay that's that's simple anyway you're right that's it he, he hit it on the nose you don't need a college degree in fact if you have a college degree you probably don't understand this one means commitment and one doesn't why is that not so obvious marriage means commitment and, of course, somebody will call up and correctly note, yeah, but what What about the large number of marriages that end in divorce? What commitment was there there? That's like saying to me, well, why do you need a license to drive? After all, a lot of people with licenses have car crashes. I, I understand that. So what? What does that mean? I never understood the argument that there are a lot of divorces, therefore you shouldn't get married. I'll deal with that in a moment. 
My friends, a food shortage could be coming. I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's true. So survival food is important. Create your own stockpile of the best-selling For Patriots Survival Food Kits. It's not ordinary food. We're talking good for 25 years super survival food. Hand-packed right in a family-owned facility in the USA, giving jobs to over 200 Americans. The kits are compact, sturdy, water-resistant, and stack easily. They have different delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners. You can make these meals in less than 20 minutes. Just add boiling water, simmer, and serve. Right now, you can go to 4Patriots. That's the number 4. 4Patriots.com. Use the code Prager to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store. You get their famous year-long guarantee after your order and free shipping on orders over $97. Just go to 4Patriots.com to get 10% off with the code Prager for the number 4Patriots.com, code Prager. Hi everybody, I'm Dennis Prager. Male-female hour every Wednesday, the second hour of the show, and this is a really important subject. If you lived together prior to marriage and then got married, was there a difference once you were married? You might even say, oh, actually, it got worse. (laughs) I'm open to whatever you want to say, but I, I am curious. The only thing that cannot be said is there's no difference. I, I don't believe that's honest. There's a big difference between my wife and my girlfriend. Okay, let's go to Bolingbrook, Illinois, and John. Hello, John. Hi, how's it going? Okay. Um, yeah, I think the big difference is like when you're first going out with someone, you're kind of you know, together to have fun. And, um, you know, once you get married, you're, uh, you know, committed to each other for life because you take that vows with God. So how long did you, did you live together? Yes. And, and how long, how long did you live together? About two years. And then, and then you got married. Well, uh, two years is, uh, not, not a lot. Well, there are people who do it for 10 years. Yeah, you know, the big difference was also is, um, you know, like you're told to live with someone to get to know them. And I found out later in our marriage there was issues um, that my wife had. And it was most mostly because of the people she started hanging around with and, you know, telling her that there's better things out there than what you have. So you ended up divorced? Yes. I understand. Well, it gives. And it, I try to get the marriage back together. We went to um, mm-hmm. uh, retrovise. I'm not sure if you ever heard of that. Are you Are you married today? No. So you never remarried. No, I don't. You know, we have a lot of kids, and I don't want to uh-huh. affect the kids in any way. Well, that's interesting. Well, that's a great subject for a, for a, a, a male female hour. Remarriage and children. You want to note that, Sean? That that's a that's a good uh, topic. Remarriage with children. Hmm. Do you know, folks, that statistically speaking, people who live together prior to marriage are more likely to divorce than people who don't live together. It's the only counterintuitive thing I ever learned. It turned out to be true. Your intuition, certainly mine, was, hey, 
it's an experimented marriage. If you live together, it's a great way to test, are you two compatible? But here's the interesting reason which I had not thought of and which proved the point. People who live together are less likely to break up if things are not good than people who are not living together. So a lot of people for whom there are premarital issues will get married if they've lived together because they didn't have the heart to break up. Isn't that interesting? And there you have a counterintuitive piece of truth. So it's hard to say what advantage there is. I'm not even speaking against living together. No, I'm just noting that you should take all of these things into consideration. Okay, let's go to Doreen in Santa Clarita, California. Hello, Doreen. Hi, Dennis. I have to say you're my celebrity crush. I am your celebrity crush. I am very honored. Yes, you are. That doesn't match, though, a call another woman made a number of years ago. She said that she uh, wakes up to Hugh Hewitt and showers with me. Oh, I heard her. I'm just a little jealous. I just haven't got a a shower radio yet. (laughs) Okay, wonderful. Thank you. I lived with my husband before we were married. We had a business together, two children together, a home together, and I was always resistant. And then he kind of tricked me into it. And while we were saying our vows, I thought, you know, I can say no. And then I thought, but I love him and I don't want to hurt his feelings. I'll divorce him later. And after we were married, it calmed me down. And it was so much sweeter. Wow, it calmed you down. That's a good phrase. I'll bet that's true yeah, for I, a lot of people. How could there I, I be? Think especially, yeah, go yeah. on, go on. I think it's, I think especially for women because we need that intimate connection like that, and uh, to know that yeah. there's somebody that's there on our side all the time, no matter what. Yes, that's that. That would be my hunch. That, that's my understanding of women. Yeah, that's why when a man says. Oh, honey, you know I love you, and it's just a piece of paper. There's a great answer for a woman to offer. Well, honey, if it's just a piece of paper, why are you objecting? I've never heard a a good answer to that question. Makes sense? My two grandchildren are currently visiting me in the studio from Florida. Daniel and Jack. Hi, guys. This is a, a very special moment, because we don't live near each other. And what, isn't it funny, they would come in for the male-female hour. Just what a 12-year-old and a 6-year-old want to hear. The male-female hour. <laughs> well, it, you, you, can't, you can't make these predictions. All right, let's see. Uh, Chagrin Falls, Ohio, and Tony. Hello, Tony. Denny P. Tony P., how are you, sir? Very good, thank you. Thanks for taking the phone call. You're not my crush, but possibly a one-sided, very mild bromance. Anyway. That's um, nice, too. I thank you. Yeah, ain't no problem. I have to hang up that phone call. 
Um, regarding being married again, um, you are a huge part of why I got married again. I was married for 25 years, single for 10, met my now wife, who we got married in August of last year, uh, 10 years ago, lived together, and uh, the more I listened to you, and you kept saying, you know, you know, you got to get married, be a man, get married, be a man, get married, and after 10 years, we're talking about it, and I said, let's, let's do it, and we did, and I have to tell you, I love being a husband again. It's so nice. And I uh, love having a wife. You know what? I, I, I wish this phone call could be played in every, uh, in every home of people living together who are not yet married or not married. Thank you for telling me that. A lot of times I meet people, I meet couples at uh, speeches and they tell me they got married. The guy decided to get married after listening to me. Men need men. It's just a fact. And they need men to tell them what to do. I did. Every man does. You don't become a man automatically. You become older automatically. But you don't become a man automatically. By the way, women need to get married as much as men do. But that's a, that's a, there, there are separate issues there. My Pillow is excited to bring you their biggest bedding sale ever and just in time for Christmas. For a limited time, get the Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $29.98, a set of pillowcases for only $9.98, and rejuvenate your bed with a My Pillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. They also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles. They even have blankets for your pets. Get duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more, all with the biggest discounts of the year happening now. They're also extending their money-back guarantee for Christmas until March 1st, 2023, making them the perfect gifts for your friends, your family, and everyone you know. So go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code Prager, or call 800-761-6302. You'll get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $29.98, and get all your shopping done now while quantities last. Hello, everybody. The male-female hour on the Dennis Prager Show. The subject today is, if you lived together prior to marriage, what difference did it make when you got married? I think it's a huge difference. But I am totally open to whatever you have to say on this matter, having lived them both. Oh, wow. That's really something. Carl in St. Petersburg, Florida. You're married five times? Is that correct? Did I read it correctly? You got it spot on. Wow. Are you paying a lot of alimony? No. Second wife was a package deal. A seven, eight, nine and a half year old. I raised them for the following ten years. Uh, taught them morals, how to drive, how to fish. They finally left home, and I worked out that that wife was just using me as a money train, so I moved on. My current situation is my current wife, number five, She uh, we lived together for seven years. She initially said she would never marry me because of my track record. 
I exceed the <laughs> national average. And then finally she said, yes, so we've been married now for the past two years, and it gives me a sense of security and comfort and knowledge that life in the future has hope. That's very sweet. How did you convince her to marry you, given your track record? Well, we started out as pen pals. I was in Australia. She was in the United States. And uh, I paid her airfare to come over to Australia and see me. Gave her the grand tour of Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. And uh, finally... Asked her for the um time if she'd marry me, and she said, "Yes." What the fuck's taking you so long? Cool. Yes, Sean wants to know if he calls her number five. I doubt it. I think I can answer on on his behalf, actually. All right, let's get some more uh, calls on uh, what I consider to be a huge difference. I don't like when people fool themselves. See, I believe that when a man, I think men and women have a different motivation if they don't get married and live together. I think for a man, it is avoiding the commitment, even though a lot of married, even though I, I, I even know of a case where they married, I think, after 25 years, and it was clear he was committed to her. But to this day, I don't quite understand, given his commitment to her and the fact that he knew that she wanted to get married and they really loved each other, why they didn't get married. That's That, by the way, is a worthy subject, too. So here, that is that is a worthy subject. If you did live together or are living together, what is your argument against getting married? That will be a, a, a major hour in terms of interest. Why do people fear it? There may be some legitimate fears, by the way. I think people fear that if they get divorced... They are in the hands of a system that rewards the irresponsible. Now, that that could be a factor. Okay, let's see. Mendocino, California, and Dawn. Hello, Dawn. Hi, Dennis. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. Well, I got married last year, and my husband and I are Christians, so I was pr- we were pretty adamant about not consummating the marriage and living together before marriage. But I grew up with very secular parents who, and when I say my parents, I say my mom and my stepdad. My mom and my biological father were never married, and they split up when I was very young. And then my mom and my stepfather were together for 17 years before they got married. So I grew up in this household with them. (laughs) And I tell you, it was, if anything, it was, uh, you know, we were a family, that was for sure. But I never referred to my stepdad as my stepdad until they got married. 
And wow, hold on. That is very interesting. I want to continue with you. All right, everybody. Dennis Prager here. I very rarely say this because I've had at least a thousand guests on my radio show. But uh, this is one of the most impressive Americans living today. How's that, huh? That's a big deal. Mike Pompeo, whose autobiography, Never Give an Inch, is just out. One of the few political biographies or autobiographies that I'm interested in reading. In case you don't know, it's a, it's a little intimidating. He was the Secretary of State under Donald Trump. He was the director of the Central Intelligence Agency as well. He graduated first in his class from the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. Then he went to Harvard Law School. And he's a gutsy man, because I know what he wrote about the head of the teachers' unions, among other things. (laughs) (laughs) You really won me over with that article, I got to tell you, Mike Pompeo. Uh, Dennis, thanks for having me on. Thanks for those kind words. Uh, I, by the way, I meant everything in my book, and I meant everything in that article about Randy Weingarten too. Uh, that's oh, there's no doubt in my mind. Randy Weingarten, yes, that's right. That's the name. I, uh, my my mind tries to suppress disturbing names. Well, where? By the way, where did you write that piece? Where was it published? Uh, goodness, you know, I think it ended up being published. Uh, you know, I can't remember. Um, I was it, it, was it the Wall Street website, Journal? I think it might have been the Journal. Yeah. I can't remember who ended up publishing it. Yeah. Look, there is so much I want to to ask you because I'm so interested in your in your thinking. First, would you make a briefly the case because I'm very open. Uh, my listeners know, and uh, I I am a major admirer of Tucker Carlson, and I disagree with him on Ukraine. And as I point out to people, the only person you'll ever agree with entirely in your life is you. So it, it's, a, it's a little silly to get rid of somebody in your life because you differ on one or two subjects. But, but having said that, I know you feel as apparently, or I feel as apparently you do, how important it is to arm Ukraine. Why don't you answer some of the objections that are raised by conservatives? Like we should be, oh, we should be preoccupied with our border, not Ukraine's border. That's his chief argument. So I, I, I've heard Tucker make this case. I, I agree with him. The southern border is absolutely imperative. I worked on it. Uh, you, you were talking about the book Never Give an Inch. I talk about the work I did with President Obrador made clear it was just intolerable what they were doing. But I don't believe these two things are mutually exclusive. I think if one is serious about protecting their own sovereignty – they can also make sure that Europe isn't invaded by an authoritarian. And I don't think you have to say do A or B. I think America is capable of doing both A and B. Were we not providing, were the Biden administration not providing weapons to Ukraine today, I promise you that border would still be wide open. <laughs> so so it's, not the, it's not simply the case that the Biden team has chosen to secure Ukraine, but not the United States. They, they, uh, they have not done that, and they would not have done that. Uh, it is, it's important. My, my judgment is, in the end, um, that the Ukrainians are prepared to fight, risk their own lives to save their wives, their families, their children. Uh, defending another Western democracy by providing weapon systems to them is something America has the capacity to do. 
And uh, make no mistake about it, Vladimir Putin's intentions aren't limited to Ukraine. And it, uh, people across the country can see it. You can see it in our economy. You can see it. Kansas farmers can see it in the price for their fertilizer today. Um, these, these things that happen in Kiev and Moscow don't stay in those places. And we, uh, we are capable of helping them. And we should both help them and demand that Europe take its lead role in defending its own sovereignty as well. I'm going to throw a provocative line at you because I have said this to my listeners. The argument, another argument one hears, whether it's from Tucker or, or elsewhere, is, well, it's, it's a corrupt regime in Ukraine. I can't speak of that with great knowledge. I don't know how corrupt on a scale of 1 to 10 it is. But I do have this answer, and if you feel I'm wrong, I, 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 I not only invite you to differ with me, I hope you're right. But we are in no position today for the first time in my belief in American history to ever say we can't support a, a country because of its corrupt elite. There is so much corruption in America today, we can no longer make that argument. You go. So, so Dennis, let me agree with you in part and disagree with you in part. I'll begin by saying uh, Tucker is right. I've spoken about this a great deal. There is no doubt there is enormous corruption uh, different than ours, they have oligarchs who run the country that are stealing, looting uh, in ways that are different and bad. But that doesn't mean that the Ukrainian people don't deserve the things that we need and that Zelensky isn't trying to get it more right than it is today. Um, so I, I, I don't think for a moment that we should not support Ukrainian sovereignty with our tools, our weapons, because of that corruption. Second, you are absolutely right about the fact that we have an elite that is trying to undermine our republic. It's a largely bi-coastal elite that doesn't want to defend our borders, that talks about there being lots of genders when we know there's just two, uh, that doesn't want to teach our kids, this gets back to the Randy Weingarten risk, that doesn't want to teach our kids reading, writing, and arithmetic and American history in its truest sense and the greatness of our nation. Um, I, I view those things as fundamentally corrupt. We've seen our law enforcement, our FBI, uh, politicized in ways and used and weaponized in ways that are dangerous for the country. Um, I, I agree with you that we are we have to be careful about throwing a brick when we live in a glass house. Uh, and we have an obligation both to do the things that are right to help Europe secure its own sovereignty, and then we got to go clean up America at home as well. I'm speaking, folks, to Mike Pompeo, former Secretary of State, head of CIA, and so much more. And I often, when I speak of corruption, cite the 51 heads of intelligence who signed a statement that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation solely in order to get Joe Biden elected. I'd like you as the former head of the CIA to react to that. I know a handful of folks who signed that. I mean, I know who they are. Some of them I've uh, been around when I was in Congress. They briefed me when they were parts of the intelligence community. They had to have known that this was not Russian disinformation, and yet they foisted this lie on the American people. Um, they should ever be live in shame because of what they did there. It was deeply political. They were asked to join a political bandwagon. They did it a handful of weeks before an incredibly tight, to very close, very competitive, important American election. And I can't account for why. So many of them who, frankly, been great American patriots and served America as young CIA officers or young officers in our armed forces 
I, I can't account for why they chose to do that, why they saw the risk of Donald Trump's reelection trump uh, their commitment to the United States and our central principles. It's tragic. So how deep is the deep state? Uh, I'll give you I'll give you two answers to that because I ran two organizations. At the CIA when I showed up, John Brennan had been my predecessor. And in a relatively short amount of time, I had reoriented, refocused, and mission purpose the CIA. And I had the vast majority of the folks who were working there delivering on behalf of America and me and President Trump. I then left that after a year and a half or so and became the Secretary of State. And I am not convinced that at the end of my time as Secretary of State, I had even begun to tame the scale of the uh, bad actors inside of the State Department. The resistance was real. You can call it the deep state. But there were people who were actively working against the policies of the duly elected president and confirmed Secretary of State. There were three unions, Dennis. <laughs> there were civil service rules. Uh, that couldn't fire people. Uh, it was a uh, it was the most difficult leadership challenge of my life. It never given inch. I talk about it, and I talk about it in, in the sense of it is so fundamentally at odds with what our founders left us that you have an administrative state, a state department that is functioning independently of the chief executive of the United States of America. Uh, look, we got an awful lot done in spite of that, but that resistance is real, and I think it is not only at the state department. I think it's in the civil rights division of the justice. I think it is writ large throughout our Department of Education. The next conservative president of the United States has an awful lot of work to do to root that out. Which leads me to exactly what I was about to ask you. If you were elected president, what would you do to clean out this this terrible corruption? So the first thing a new president needs to do is make sure they get their political leadership on the team. Every one of these bureaucracies has several levels of appointees. We were too slow in getting our team on the field. I That's, showed up at the State yes. Department. We had a tiny fraction, a tiny fraction. So you had you had career people running most of the major institutions at the State Department when I showed up two years, 18 months into the administration. So step one is get your people there, the people that you nominated, confirmed, and share your worldview. Make sure they do. Second, uh, you got to go fix this system. You have to have, just like every private business, your business, Dennis, everything you're if somebody's performing well, you get to promote them. You can pay them more. You can get. You can write them a letter of recommendation for a promotion. All of those things, you can do none of those inside of our government today. Wow. All right. Hold it there, if you would. Mike Pompeo's book, I think it's mandatory reading. This is one of the best Americans in public life today. Never give an inch. The book is up at DennisPrager.com. Reminder about Relief Factor. Go to ReliefFactor.com should you have any Joint pain or muscle pain. It is a product that is ubiquitous in the Prager family and among friends. Try it for three weeks for $19.95. And here is the deal on that. The manufacturers say you'll know in three weeks if it works. And if it doesn't work in three weeks, the manufacturer suggests you cancel your order. I've never encountered that in an ad. They don't lead you on. ReliefFactor.com, 800-500-8384. The Dennis Prager Show. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. 
Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here. I'm going to turn to Mike Pompeo in a moment. His book, one of the few public figures books that I have real interest in reading, is Never Give an Inch, Fighting for the America I Love is the subtitle. I'm back with a a great American, Mike Pompeo, and his uh, book, Never Give an Inch. How long did it take you to write your book? Oh, one minute. I didn't put you on. That'll help. Sorry there, Mike Pompeo. (laughs) It probably took me, start to finish, it probably took me four or five months to write the bulk of what was there and then tweak it from there. Oh, well, that's pretty fast. Uh, I was pretty focused. Um, I had done a little bit of work just thinking about it, writing note cards and uh, think, thinking about what I wanted to say. And so uh, when it came time to write, I had a lot of fun doing it. I want to ask about your philosophy of life because you're you're a thinker as well as a doer. Again, folks, this is Secretary of State, head of CIA, and uh, Harvard Law. And, I mean, it's 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 an extraordinary resume. I have not figured out the Republicans who became never Trumpers. I understand people who don't like Donald Trump. My interest in liking a president is zero, as it happens. I don't care if I like my oncologist. If, God forbid, I have cancer, I care if he's a good surgeon. It's a bonus to like them, but it's not important. How do you explain erstwhile conservatives and Republicans who voted Democrat rather than for Trump? Two groups, Dennis, as I see it. I think there was a group, some of them you'd know, uh, public figures who really weren't conservatives, it turns out, right? Who just uh, liked the patina and wanted to say that they were, and in truth, um, now are advocating on behalf of Democrats more broadly, and Trump's even off the scene, and they're still advocating for Democrats. So we essentially... Uh, President President Trump sort of peeled the Band-Aid back on those folks. And then I think there's a second group of folks who uh, saw the noise and the chaos and the manner and the model and said, oh, my gosh, this is too much for me. Um, I, I was I, I never truly understood that you had people quit the administration uh, who were there trying to work and then just said, no, I can't take it. My reputation is at risk. Uh, Dennis, I'm more like you. Um, I'm always focused on outcomes. You talk about life philosophy work hard, do your best to tell the truth every single day, uh, and look for outcomes, not words. Deeds and actions deliver. And to watch what happened for our four years as we kept America secure, you can't for a moment think um, that you want to walk away from what it was we did. And these, these never-Trumpers were real. They were vociferous. They made it harder for us to do our jobs every day. Given that you wrote this powerful piece against Randy Weingarten of the United Federation of Teachers, I'd like to ask you about the culture now. How, how do you explain Disney dropping saying boys and girls because it's not quote-unquote inclusive? 
Disney's supposed to be family-friendly and uh, won't say boys and girls at Disneyland or Disney World. And do you think it's because they really believe that there's more than boys and girls to the human race? Or is it because of cowardice? I believe it's the latter. Because I don't believe people of reasonable intellect can possibly walk away from the reality of there simply being two genders, boys and girls. So you have to ultimately conclude that they're doing it because they think it's the politically correct thing or it's in their business interests or they just don't want to deal with their employees, their workforce. You see this in Silicon Valley uh, where they just walk away from fundamental truths. Um, so I, I, I think it's the latter, not the former, because whether one bases it on science and reason or as myself as an evangelical Christian, you read what uh, the Bible teaches us there are men and women. There is a reason for that. Uh, they are separate. They are distinct. And there is not some third gender. And we should not be afraid about standing up for that, because in the end, Dennis, it is this family, this family institution that has built most of the successful civilizations in the world. And if we lose that, uh, and this is why I wrote this story about Randy Gardner, if we, if, if we lose teaching that to the next generation of the Americans that are growing up here at home, uh, boy, our, our founders knew Republicans don't fall because of Xi Jinping or Vladimir Putin. They knew that they fall from within, from decadence, yeah, and in, uh, walking yeah. away from those institutions. So I'll ask you uh, a tough one, because I know you will be asked this should you decide to uh, run for president. And I have no agenda other than learning your response. Uh, I'll tell you in advance, even I've been asked it so many times, and I say I'm agnostic on the issue. I am not prepared to say that there wasn't cheating in the last presidential election, and I'm not to I'm not prepared to say either that there wasn't or that there was. What is your take on the honesty of the last presidential election? I think there were lots of problems with the last election. I'm also been around enough to know Dennis there were problems in lots of elections that we've had. Um, they may have been worse. They were certainly different. Um, I don't use the term stolen, that the election was stolen, uh, because I think that uh, that ascribes sort of an individual mastermind plot. I think it's actually more dangerous than that. And what do I mean? Um, it's dangerous because when the American people lose confidence in their elections, that if Sally is the city councilman or the school board member, you have to know that Sally got the most votes. And from Hillary Clinton to Donald Trump to Al Gore, in a handful of the last elections, they now say, Gosh, I don't think this was this was Jimmy. This wasn't right. We can do better. We have to do better. In the wake of COVID, the Democrats learned to ballot harvest. They learned to do lots of things that were legal, but different and not the way we're supposed to run elections. And then we have insufficient transparency. So my focus is forward, trying to figure out how the next election, whether it's an election for a governor or a senator or congressman or president of the United States, the American people walk away saying, my, my gal won, my guy lost, and they have confidence in that. Well, I hope this is not our uh, last time uh, uh, talking because uh, you have a lot to say. You're, you're a, a good man, Mike Pompeo. The book, folks, is Never Give an Inch, Fighting for the America I Love. And uh, I strongly recommend that it. it is up at DennisPrager.com. Mr. Secretary, thank you for coming on the show. Dennis, thank you. Bless you. Thanks for having me on today. Good luck to you. Thank you. Yes. Good luck helps everybody. (laughs) 
It does not detract from God's sovereignty to say that there is luck in life, my friends. A lot of people who believe in God find that problematic. It's not. Okay, I continue when we come back. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here. I have great admiration for Mike Pompeo, and indeed I do for Governor DeSantis as well, as is well known. We have some very serious people. I thought Donald Trump was a great president. I still do. All right. Anyway, putting that aside, just a a moment interlude here, a a visit from my uh, two grandsons. Oh, that's very sweet, Sean. That's very sweet. Daniel, Daniel Prager is 12, and Jack Prager is 6. Seven. Seven. And they're both in the studio with me, and it is uh, a real joy. I, you know, boys, I had your dad on my show when he was your ages. That's and amazing. he talked about his pet hamster. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Yep. So I've been on for a long time, I realize. So I'll begin with Jack. So Jack, are you nervous talking to so many people? Speak. Uh-huh. He nodded. That it was so yes. effective on radio. That was precious. He he moved his head up and down to say yes. You're yeah, but you don't have to be nervous. It's just like you're talking to Poppy. So you have studied a lot of the capitals of the states, correct? Yeah. Yes. yes. All right. So, folks, this is completely unrehearsed. So I have no idea if I'm asking him what he knows or not. Capital of your state, Florida. Tallahassee. Have you ever been there? Yes. Oh, nice. All right. How about New York State? New York, the capital of New York. The, okay, that's a tough one. Yeah, okay. What about California? Sacramento. Okay, nice. We're two for three. How about, I'll gamble here, Ohio? Columbus. Yeah, very good. So, Jack, what grade are you in? First. And what do you enjoy? Do you enjoy reading? Yeah. I'm told you read Otto's Tales. Yeah. And you met Otto. Yeah. Well, how was that? Good. And you met his brother Snoopy. Yeah. Those are the two dogs, folks, that are the, in, the, in the California Prager house. Well, Jack, I love you very much, and I love when you visit. And I just saw you last week in Florida. And yeah. now I'll say a few words to your big brother, Daniel. Move the, move the microphone over. So, Daniel, you're 12. What grade are you in? Seventh. So I hear that at your school you've got a, a somewhat... Uh, Liberal. Okay, good. I'm glad Better you word. filled in. Liberal teacher in what? Science? Science. And which you, is and teaching like non-science topics. Like what? Opinion. Like gender bias, gender wage pay gap, which I think is... Wait, so what does, the, what does the alleged wage gap 
have to do with science? That's what I've been asking her. But we have like this program where we're supposed to create these products to help people. It's called Cadena. And if you have the best product, they like give it out to people. So we have this online course that like teaches us what people are suffering from. And a big one of the things was gender wage pay gap and how women allegedly so it's like make a disease? Like 13 cents less per hour. Uh-huh. 13 cents less. Yeah. Wait. So it's like a disease? Is that what you're saying? I mean, when you say people are suffering from, we think diseases. Well, I mean, suffering from doesn't only mean diseases like... But in, in a science class, it should. In a science class, it should. Correct. So you you have argued with this teacher? I have many times. What does she think of you? So, like, a lot of the first few times she would make a counter-argument, but then I, like, would counter-counter. And then now she usually just says, like, okay, that well, that's your opinion. Which yeah, but- gets annoying. Of course, because the issue isn't an opinion. The yeah, issue is was, what's true. That's what gets it down to me. How do the other kids react to you arguing with the teacher? No, they think it's really good, and they agree with my argument pretty much every time. Nice. And have you watched the PragerU video on the wage cap? I have. As your teacher? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've given me great joy, Daniel. <laughs> Who is affectionately known as DP3. Dennis Prager, David Prager, Daniel Prager. And JP1. Actually, JP2. I'll explain that later. Guys, thank you for coming. This was another wonderful treat for me. I'm a very lucky man. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, Become a member of Pragertopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at Pragertopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.